I have completely had it with the CDC. I've had it. Now, this is not some personal vendetta other than the fact that the CDC, the Biden administration, public health officials, politicians who I elected to represent me are violating my rights. They're bossing me around. They're forcing me to adhere to anti-science political nonsense. I've not only had it, you should have it too. We should be done with this. And I know, Big Tech would probably kick me off for this episode. I thought about that before I prepared it. I don't care. I don't care. So what happened this weekend after the CDC um, renewed, we'll use that word, renewed their recommendation that even vaccinated individuals wear masks in indoor settings, patently ridiculous, I had friends and family start texting texting me. You all started writing to me, asking me, for the scientific studies, the actual citations, not just common sense, not just saying a study said, but the actual links to scientific studies about the efficacy of face masks against viruses like SARS-CoV-2, COVID-19. So what we're going to do today is we're going to talk about the science of face masks, the science. I'm going to cite over 20 studies in this episode today. And this is this is what I want you to do. I want you to be able to have this episode in your pocket so that when any when any establishment, when any restaurant, when any store, when any individual bugs you, nags you, tries to shame you for wearing a mask, you know what to say. You know how to cite the studies. You know what the studies are so that you are empowered to fight back against this. Because if we don't fight back against this, big government will never stop trying to take power away from us. So the reason that I included these 20 different studies in the show today is, of course, what I just described to you, but it's also to counter this narrative from the left. The left has this narrative that claims that the right is anti-science. They tell us we're anti-science. Usually, they tell us we're anti-science when it comes to climate change, simply because people on the right disagree with the policy prescriptions the left wants to implement when it comes to climate change. What I'm talking about, of course, is the right doesn't want the Green New Deal. So because we don't want a big socialist government that redistributes wealth and essentially turns the United States into a Marxist state, the left tells us that we are anti-science. That's also what they say about COVID. Now, the right typically responds um, with almost a joke. Now, satire, of course, is lost on the left, so they take this very literally. But the right responds by saying science is fake. Now, of course, science is not fake. The, the term that we should use there is we should say the science, the quote-unquote science being presented to us is fake news right now. The fake science being presented to us is fake news. Um, but here's the thing. Not everybody going about their day, taking care of their family, going to work, working out, just trying to make it to the next day, not everybody has the time to parse through the methodology of each and every study trotted out by the left in order to find the flaws in order to find the manipulation, in order to find the fake news that the left is very strategically using. This is a strategic, it's actually a very slimy strategic move by the left to try to use medicine, to try to use science to back up their leftist political narrative. So I have the time to go through the methodology of these studies, so that's what I did today. I'm Liz Wheeler. Welcome to The Liz Wheeler Show. Before we get to these 20 studies, let's talk for a second about ExpressVPN. Your family deserves to be safe and secure on the internet. There are so many pitfalls, so many dangerous things, so much nonsense on the internet itself. What makes it even worse is the idea that you could actually have your internet service provider 
essentially creeping over your shoulder and watching what you do, right? So internet service providers in our country, and I only learned this within the last couple months, internet service providers in, your, in our country can actually see every single search that you make on, their, on your computer. They can track every single website that you or your family has visited. And then not only can they collect your information, they sell that information to advertisers. So ExpressVPN is an app that reroutes your internet connection through their secure servers so that your internet service provider cannot see the sites that you visit. ExpressVPN keeps all of your information secure by encrypting 100% of your data with the most powerful encryption available. All you have to do is tap one button and you're protected. It's super easy to use, very user-friendly. So protect your online activity today. Visit my exclusive link, expressvpn.com slash Liz, and you can get an extra three months free on a one-year package. That's expressvpn.com slash Liz. Expressvpn.com slash Liz to learn more. Okay, so this first study that I want to talk to you about today is huge. It's actually ironic because just this one study is really all we need to debunk the left's narratives here. We could be one and done. But I want to be thorough, so I have 19 others. Now, here's the part where we talk about big tech for a second. This is, this is where we're at in our nation, where what I'm about to tell you is actually against YouTube's terms of service. If I say what I'm about to say and post it on YouTube, if I present scientific evidence, studies in peer-reviewed journals, and post it on YouTube. YouTube not only will block my video, they will potentially give a strike to my channel, ultimately leading to the complete banning of me on YouTube. So if you want, so unfortunately, I don't want to be banned on YouTube because I want to be on the leftist big tech platforms because how else do you reach leftists with reality? So if you want to listen to this entire episode, you can do so on Apple Podcasts. If you want to watch this entire episode, you can do so on locals at lizwheelershow.com slash locals, censorship free. So the science, the science itself, putting government aside for a second, the science itself debunks the use of face masks to stop viruses like COVID-19. Super great, super fun when the facts are on our side. So let's start with a few of these studies. This study is from April of 2020. This is just one month after COVID exploded into the United States. One month. This isn't something we had to wait a long time for. One month into COVID, uh, a review by two professors at the University of Illinois um, and respiratory and infectious disease, that's what they were researching, a review found that face masks have no effect in everyday life, neither as self-protection nor to protect third parties, you know, the so-called source control, the um, if you don't care about yourself, at least don't kill grandma argument. An April 2020 review by these professors, experts in their field, found face masks have no effect whatsoever. Fast forward one month to May of 2020, a meta-study from guess where? This is just, I, I absolutely love, by the way, when you defeat leftists on their home court using their own arguments, they defeat themselves. A meta-study by the CDC on pandemic influenza found that face masks had no effect either as personal protective equipment or as source control. Again, May 2020. So we're now just a couple months into the pandemic and we have several studies debunking the use of face masks. Another article from May of 2020, this was published in the New England Journal of Medicine, found that face masks offer little to no protection in everyday life. July 2020, a review by the Oxford Center for Evidence-Based Medicine found that there's no evidence for the effectiveness of face masks against virus, in virus infection or transmission. Again, it's very important, by the way, 
there's, there's sort of two schools of thought on face masks. Some people wear them because they think it will prevent them from getting sick. And then we are told that even if we don't care about ourselves, that we have to wear them in order, if we have an asymptomatic virus, that we don't transmit it to other people. That's the government's argument for forcing us to do so because they say we can't endanger other people. It's like when Gavin Newsom said, compared it to drunk driving. Your actions can't hurt someone else. So very, very, very critical phrase in many of these studies. Look for that phrase, source control. Fast forward a little bit to October of 2020, a large randomized controlled trial. Those three words are also critical. Randomized controlled trial. That means they compared face masks, a group of people wearing face masks with a group of people who did not in equitable circumstances a large randomized controlled trial, 8,000 participants, this was published in PLOS1, found that face masks, and I quote from the study, did not seem to be effective against laboratory-confirmed viral respiratory infections nor against clinical respiratory infection. Well, well. So what does that mean? It means face masks, according to the science, don't work. Well, there's more. November of 2020, a Danish randomized controlled trial. We have mentioned this study before. It included 6,000 people. It was published in the Annals of Internal Medicine, found no statistically significant effect of high-quality medical face masks. This means not a cloth mask that, uh, that your grandmother sewed, as cute as it might be. No, no, we're talking about the medical-grade face masks. No statistically significant effect against SARS-CoV-2 infection in a community setting. Again, not a laboratory setting, a community setting. So each of these studies builds on the next one. Each of these studies builds on the next one. Again, in November of 2020, a Cochrane review found that face masks did not reduce influenza-like illness, ILI, neither in the general population nor in healthcare workers. So influenza-like illness, we're now even expanding beyond um, clinically confirmed cases. And as we know, at the beginning of the pandemic, if not now, we were counting deaths of COVID-19, not just from clinically confirmed cases, but if you had any symptoms that resembled COVID-19 symptoms at all, you were counted as a COVID death. So that's why influenza-like illness, that means COVID-like symptoms. Well, masks don't work against that either. So then this year, fast forward to 2021, February of 2021, the European CDC did a review that found no high quality evidence that supported the effectiveness of non-medical or medical face masks in the community. The European CDC actually advised against using N95 masks by the general public. We'll get to N95 masks in just a moment, and it's very interesting when we do. So going back to the American CDC for a second, the American CDC, believe it or not, you would think the mainstream media might be interested in reporting this, but oh, they're not because they don't care about the science. They only care about the radical leftist agenda. The CDC admitted they do not have any randomized controlled trials that support face mask mandates for COVID-19. In fact, this is the response the CDC gave to a Freedom of Information Act request asking for the randomized controlled trials that the CDC used to support their mask use to stop COVID. This is their response. For those watching, you can see it on the screen. I will read it what it says. It says, quote, the CDC is not aware of any. You literally cannot make this stuff up. The CDC is not aware of any. So what are you making these mask mandates based on? What is your justification for this? Where's the science? All we want to know is what science supports this. Well, they have none, and they literally admit it. They actually admit it in the face of a Freedom of Information Act request. Now, 
this is a brief summary of several of these studies. There are many more, but this all makes sense, by the way, because in other settings, when we're not just talking about COVID or the flu, face masks also have been proven not to prevent infection. What I'm talking about here is in the operating room, in the surgical theater, as it's called, surgeons wearing face masks. Why do surgeons wear face masks during surgery? Well, they wear face masks during surgery as this source control that I just mentioned before so that they don't transmit anything to their patient while they are performing surgery on their patients. But we have statistics that show that in operating rooms, even when surgeons wear face masks during surgery, it doesn't reduce post-operative bacterial wound infections in patients. Oh, so this isn't something brand new to COVID then. It's not even something brand new to the flu. It's about the effectiveness of masks in general. In fact, science shows, science shows that face masks may actually lead to increased infection. And again, this is not exclusive to COVID. Way back in 2015, a study in the British medical journal BMJ Open found that cloth face masks were actually penetrated by 97% of particles. That includes virus particles, of course. And that actually may increase your risk of infection because moisture is retained in the mask and we reuse masks without washing them. It increases the risk of infection. This was confirmed in August of 2020, a review by a German professor. He's a professor of virology and epidemiology and hygiene. He found there's no evidence for the effectiveness of face masks and that the, and that the reality of the fact is that we don't use face masks properly. So the improper use of face masks by everyday people may actually lead to an increase in infections. Well, isn't this so interesting when we look at the science for ourselves? We're not done yet. This gets even better. We're going to address all of the talking points from the left. So real-world examples in during COVID-19 debunk these mask mandates as well. So you can look around the world. You can look at countries like Austria, Belgium, France, Germany, Ireland, it Italy, Spain, and the UK. And in each and every one of those countries, COVID-19 infections and cases increased dramatically after masks were mandated. After masks were mandated. You can look at that proverbial curve of these virus outbreaks, outbreaks and mask mandates not only had no effect on stopping the curve, the virus increased dramatically afterward. Here in the United States, in California, and Hawaii, the same thing happened. After the mask mandates, the virus spiked. Cases increased. Now, you can, you can take this even further. If you look at U.S. states with and without mask mandates, you will find that mask mandates did not slow the spread. To get even more specific, in the state of Kansas, the 90 counties without mask mandates had lower COVID infection rates than the 15 counties that did have mask mandates. Again, you would think that perhaps the mainstream media or the CDC or public health officials or politicians or the governor or the COVID task force or the White House or Biden might care about this since it's science but they don't. In fact, the health department for the state of Kansas actually tried to hide this data because they didn't want the public to know the truth. They manipulated the official statistics in the presentation of their data. And we're getting to the political aspect of this, but we're not done with the science yet. So we've actually tried face masks before in our country in this real world setting, not just in a clinical setting, not just in laboratory testing, not just during COVID, not just a couple years ago during SARS-1. No, no, we've tried face masks in a real world setting before during the 1918 Spanish flu pandemic. Face masks, believe it or not, people use face masks quite a bit. In some places, they were actually mandatory. 
Did it make a difference? No, it did not. It did not make a difference 100 years ago, just like it didn't make a difference now. We've known all of this stuff. We've known it all along. We've certainly known it since last year if we're talking just in respect to COVID-19. So a report from the CDC from September of 2020 shows that the majority of people in the study who contracted COVID-19 had been wearing a mask in public. They always wore a mask in public. And yet, 70% of the people who tested positive always wore a mask. There were 154 case patients who tested COVID positive. And this is what the study said, quote, in the 14 days before illness onset, 71% of case patients and 74% of control participants reported always using cloth face coverings or other mask types when in public, end quote. One year ago, we knew this specifically about COVID-19. Now, again, this all makes perfect scientific sense because COVID-19 is transmitted. The virus itself is transmitted by aerosols. It's not transmitted by droplets, as we were told at the beginning of the pandemic, which made no sense given the history of how influenza is transmitted or even how other coronaviruses are transmitted. COVID-19, we now know, is transmitted by aerosols. So masks do not filter aerosols. In fact, studies show that up to 90% of aerosols bypass masks or penetrate through masks actually within minutes and then spread throughout the entire room. 90% bypass masks and fill the entire room within a matter of minutes. So then we have researchers from the University of Minnesota who found that the infectious dose, and that's what uh, you'll hear on the news all the time, the viral load, you'll hear that phrase. What they mean is the infectious dose. How much do you have to um, ingest before this will infect your body? The infectious dose of COVID-19, of SARS-CoV-2, is 300 virions. Those are the virus particles. Whereas if you speak just for one minute, that can generate 750,000 virions. Making face masks, that's right, ineffective, to stop the transmission of COVID-19. So the reason that there are some studies that say that face masks work, we're gonna get to more of this in a minute, but it's, it's because they were performed not in the real world, but in a laboratory. So in, and this is why they come up with different data than the real world data shows, because in order for face masks to protect against these viral aerosols, these virus particles, a mask must fit per perfectly. It has to be a non-leaky mask. And it has to be a non-leaky mask all the way. Because even if you have just a 1% gap in the edge of your mask, a 1% gap, which essentially would mean that this thing is just, oh, just on your face completely, a 1% gap in the edge creates 50% leakage of the virus particles. A 2% gap, which is still unrealistic, is, will leak 75% of those virus particles. This study, if you're interested, was an aerosol science and technology published in 2021. So the masks that we typically wear on a daily basis, these cloth masks, not N95s, not surgical masks, they have 90 to 95% leakage. So if we actually fit our face masks to perfection, what would happen to us? It would seal us off. We would risk asphyxiation. This is not only realistic, no one actually even tries to achieve that because you would suffocate. And here's where we get to the mask mandates. Um, they're not based on science, right? They, uh, it's obvious that they're political. That's simply the reality of the thing. To this day, the only randomized controlled trial, and this is what I mentioned before, where they, where they compared a group of people with face masks and without in the same sort of setting, an equitable comparison. The only randomized controlled trial 
um, on COVID-19 in a community setting, not a lab setting, found no significantly or statistically significant benefit. But politically, this study was stifled. There were three major scientific journals who refused to publish this study. It actually, the publication was delayed by months and months because these journals feared political repercussions. It's not just these particular journals. The World Health Organization admitted to the media back one year ago in June of 2020 that face mask recommendations were the result of political lobbying. This is what the World Health Organization told a BBC medical correspondent. This is the World Health Organization quote. We had been told by various, or this is, I'm sorry, this is the BBC reporter talking about what the World Health Organization told him. He said, we had been told by various sources WHO committee reviewing the evidence had not backed masks, but they recommended them due to political lobbying. This point was put to a WHO official who did not deny it. That's what the BBC medical correspondent reported about the WHO. The WHO did not deny it when asked whether the recommendations for face masks were due to political lobbying. Now you might be saying, okay, but how do I counter the argument that the CDC or liberals present when they say that there are studies that show that face masks are effective? What about all those studies that show that face masks work? Well, here's my answer. Most, if not all, of those studies are simply flawed. This is what I meant at the very beginning of the show when I said that this is a slimy strategy from the left because they assume that we don't all have time to comb through the methodology of these studies. We don't all have the capacity to find the statistical flaws inherent to these studies so they can essentially lie within, um, within the algorithm of their study and they can make a statement, a result at the end of this study that simply contradicts science because it's based on this faulty algorithm, but it's impossible for most of us to know. So most of these studies that show that face masks work are flawed studies. And I'm just gonna talk about a couple of them here. There was a meta-study that was commissioned by the World Health Organization. It was published in the Lancet Medical Journal that said that masks could lead to a reduction in infections or in the risk of infection of COVID-19. That's how this study was presented. But if you look at the methodology of the study, the study actually only looked at N95s, not surgical grade masks, not cloth masks, only looked at N95s and did not look at a community setting. It only looked at N95s in a hospital setting. That's what this study showed. And yet liberals hijacked this and made this about cloth masks in the community. That is not what this study showed. The strength of evidence in this study was so low that a World Health Organization epidemiologist said that this study was, quote, essentially useless. But I bet you didn't hear about that part of the study. So another one of these studies, it was uh, commissioned by PNAS, found that masks, or this is what they claimed, that masks lead to a decrease in infections or did lead to a decrease in infections in three global hotspots. And one of these hotspots they named as New York City. This was during the bad outbreak in New York. However, the flaw in this study is that they did not take account for any natu natural decrease in COVID-19 infection because we know that's what happens, right? We know that the curve of the virus, that's why we have different waves because there's a natural outbreak, a natural peak, and a natural decrease. Well, this study did not account for the natural decrease and as a result, 40 scientists called for this study to be withdrawn. But you didn't hear about that part of the study. There was another study done here in the United States that was actually withdrawn 
after it claimed that counties with mask mandates had lower infection rates, and after the study was published, the infection rates in those masked counties climbed higher than unmasked counties. But you only heard about that study when it was first presented. After it was retracted, nothing. Didn't hear about it. There was another study published in June of 2021 in Nature Communications. It claimed that masks reduce infection risk by 62%. But if you look at the methodology, this study relied on self-reported online surveys. Oh my goodness, could we get less scientific than that? Could we get less scientific? They did not use actual scientific surveying. Discard it. It's useless. So that's what you, that's what you have to do when you uh, see these studies that the CDC or public health officials or politicians use. You have to look at the methodology because the ones that claim, that claim to have proof that face masks work are fundamentally flawed. And now we get to this argument that, you know, I'm not wearing this mask for me. I'm not wearing this because I care about my health. Maybe you don't care about your own health at all. You're willing to take that risk. Okay, public health officials tell us, but it's not about you. You have no right. There was actually, I think it was Ted Lieu, Congressman Ted Lieu. He said, you have no right to be spewing your saliva about the public. I wish I had the exact quote here and I don't, but he basically said that you don't have a right to breathe places without masks. Absolutely ridiculous. But this is that phrase I was talking about at the beginning, source control. The you're killing grandma argument here. So first of all, if we want to use this argument, then in the history of our country, are we going to contact trace every single person who was the source of any kind of coronavirus or common cold? Because that's what a common cold is. It's a coronavirus. Are we going to contact trace to the original source of the cold that morphed into pneumonia that killed grandmas and grandpas in nursing homes and in the hospital? Because if so, we're going to have a trial of mass killing on our hands. Because any healthcare provider who works in geriatric care knows that coronaviruses are deadly to the elderly, to the vulnerable populations. The left just didn't care until they could use COVID to try to restrict our freedoms and centralize power. But this you're killing grandma argument is not only, flaw is not only flawed, it's not only faulty. On the political level, it's scientifically flawed too. So let's go back to the operating room for a second and mask surgeons. Um, in a large, well-controlled study, it looked at these post-operative wound infections in the patients of surgeons that were masked. Half wore masks and half did not. This is the only way to actually tell whether a measure works if you do this randomized controlled study where you actually have this control group of people who don't take this intervention measure to see what the difference in outcome is. So the results of this study, this is what they found. Masked surgeons had a 4.7% post-op infection rate. Unmasked surgeons had a 3.5% post-op infection rate. So what does that mean? That means if a surgeon was masked, that increased the infection risk in patients by 34% from the baseline of an unmasked surgeon. Okay, so what other proof do we need here? Oh, well, if we want more proof, we can certainly find it. The Royal Society of Medicine in the United Kingdom also said that masks are ineffective as source control in this particular setting for surgeons. So did the American Association of Physicians and Surgeons. This was a well-known fact, a well-known accepted scientific fact before COVID, before politicians realized they could use COVID to steal your freedoms. So let's talk about the politics of the thing for a second, because this, this, is, this is what I see when I look at the grand scheme of COVID at this point. Why is there this renewed push for mask mandates and vaccine mandates. After we 
finally, finally put mask mandates behind us. After we conservatives, you and I defeated this idea of vaccine passports, why is there this renewed push from leftist politicians to mandate masks again, which they're doing, and trying to push for vaccine mandates, whether it's the government or coerced private sector industry, it doesn't matter. They're trying to coerce us into getting the vaccine. Why? Why? The answer, I think, is very simple. The elections. The 2022 midterms are looming for the Democrats. They have Joe Biden in office. They have Kamala Harris in office. In other words, it's not looking good for them. So this is not about COVID. The mask mandates and the vaccine mandates that they're discussing, it's not about a virus. It's about the election. And in specific, and specifically, it's about the electioneering. The Democrats need the 2020 voting irregularities, this electioneering, the rules that violated the laws in November of 2020 that caused Joe Biden to win, they need that to be permanent. And the only way to permanently put mail-in voting, early voting, no verification, drop boxes round the clock, unattended, little to no verification of signatures on absentee ballots, no voter ID, all of these things that caused the irregularities and yes, fraud, that led to Joe Biden's victory in November of 2020, that Democrats need that to win in 2022. And yet they see in Florida, in Georgia, in Arizona, in Texas, they see the American people, not just conservatives, the American people wanting to secure the integrity of our elections, passing laws to secure the integrity of our elections. The majority of American voters, Republican and Democrat, support voter ID because they don't want their votes stolen. And so how do Democrats win in 2022? How do they make permanent these voting irregularities that allowed them to win? Well, there's only one way. If they continue to instill this fear of COVID, then they'll have this continued justification of COVID to make these voting irregularities permanent. That is what we're seeing right now. That is what's behind the mask mandates. That is what's behind the vaccine mandates. That is why no matter what you do, no matter what I do, no matter what the science actually says, the radical leftist Democrats will not stop. They will never stop with COVID until we the people say enough. Now, of course, one last thing to debunk. The CDC's justification for the new mask mandates just this past week was based on a study that was denied peer review. Again, it was a faulty study. And the CDC's model, their modeling of mask mandates for vaccinated people, they, the, the model that claimed 40 to 60% source control and 20 to 30% personal protection, that was not based on humans. That is not a scientific study. That is not medical evidence. This is so unsurprising at this point. It's so unsurprising that they would use absolutely garbage. I can't even call it science. That they would use garbage and disguise it as science to try to trick you and I into believing that it's true, to defer to the authorities because science is science and science doesn't lie. No, science doesn't lie, but scientists do and public health officials do and politicians do. These government officials, by the way, they have a tell. They have a poker tell that lets us all know that they're not actually scared of COVID, that they do not believe what they dictate. This photograph says everything you need to know. For those who are listening to this, let me explain what we are looking at on the screen. We are looking at a picture of Nancy Pelosi. 
not wearing a mask. Again. This is not her salon picture. Although that was telling back then. This is a brand new picture. Nancy Pelosi not wearing a mask because she doesn't believe that COVID is a threat. And my goodness, this woman is 81. She's actually in a vulnerable category. She's old as dirt. In DC, in Washington, DC, the hub of liberal politics, there's a renewed mask mandate. Why? There's a grand total of seven people in the ICU with COVID in Washington, DC. Hospitals in Washington, DC have 84% hospital bed capacity available. The mayor of Washington, DC, Mayor Bowser, she's the one who dictated this mask mandate and then she violated it. She went to a wedding, she officiated it. She celebrated without a mask. And when journalists asked her why she was wearing, not wearing a mask after she had mandated it for other people, she walked away. These politicians do not believe what they are dictating. And th this is what I sit here and think, at what point do we become Australia? You know what's happening in Australia right now? They're using the military in Sydney to enforce lockdowns. You cannot leave your house except for a government-approved reason, and the military is the one enforcing it. So if these politicians don't believe their own mandates, why? Why are they doing this? They are pushing us. They are pushing you. They are pushing me as far as we will allow, seizing control to the point where we finally say, enough. And this is a perfect example. The director of the CDC, Walensky, refused to answer the question when she was asked whether people would need to wear face masks for years to come. Can you imagine years to come? Absolutely not. The Surgeon General of the United States, Vivek Murthy, he says fully vaccinated people not only should wear masks indoors, but they should wear masks outdoors too. Oh, and if you think that's bad, Murthy says parents should mask at home with their kids. I'm gonna show you a video of this because it's hard to believe unless you hear the words yourself. Take a listen to this. For example, if you happen to have a lot of interaction with folks who are unvaccinated, let's say you're a parent like me who has young children at home who are not vaccinated, that's a circumstance where being extra cautious and wearing that mask, uh, even if you are fully vaccinated, Wearing it outdoor, outside when you're in indoor public locations is an extra step to protecting those at home. Let's talk about natural immunity for a second, since we're talking about science. Sure, there's politics that are woven into the COVID narrative, woven into COVID policy, but let's stick with science for a second. How come none of these politicians, these public health officials, the leader of the CDC, the Surgeon General, the people at the NIH, the COVID task force, the Biden administration, how come nobody cares about herd immunity anymore? How come nobody is interested in the zero prevalence of COVID-19? India, for example, recently ran a zero prevalence study. They found 60% of people in India had antibodies to COVID-19. Don't you think that that's critical to know in the United States so that we know how many people are at risk and how many people aren't? Because natural immunity, studies show, we talked about this in a previous show, studies show that natural immunity is both durable and long-lasting compared to vaccinated immunity. This is a big deal. There were two studies recently done, a Cleveland Clinic study and a study in Israel that found that natural immunity due to having contracted COVID-19 is actually better than vaccinated immunity. So why don't politicians care about the zero prevalence of COVID-19? Why don't they care about how many people have antibodies? How many people have natural immunity to COVID-19? How many people actually are still at risk of contracting this or how few are? 
well, the CDC is more interested in their contradictory narrative. This is what their contradictory narrative is. They say, they tell us that vaccinated people can pass the Delta variant as easily now as the unvaccinated. Well, that's why they're telling vaccinated people to wear masks, because you can pass the Delta as easily as the unvaccinated. Yet, under the other side of their mouth, they tell us that it's an epidemic of the unvaccinated. So which is it? Which is it? Is it an epidemic of the unvaccinated or can vaccinated people pass Delta as easily as unvaccinated? They can't get their story straight. All they want to do is they want to blame you. They want to make you feel like you've done something wrong if you contract COVID-19. They want to make you feel like you're killing grandma if you don't follow every single unscientific dictate that they lay before us. Meanwhile, the numbers show that the CDC is actually lying about who is currently dying from COVID-19. They tell us that 99% of people who are dying from COVID-19 in hospitals right now are unvaccinated. Uh Uh-uh, that's not true. In May, according to the CDC's own numbers, 15% of people dying in the hospital of COVID-19 were vaccinated. And let's remember too, big picture, unvaccinated children have a lower risk of death or even a risk of serious outcome from COVID-19 than people in their 30s who are vaccinated. How nuts is that? So the CDC is corrupt and wrong. They've been perpetuating this fake narrative for months and months and months. We are far from finished from talking about CDC corruption. Far from finished. The CDC is in our sights. We are coming for the CDC. And boy, oh boy, do they have a lot of information. That we will be saving for another show. So I've been talking to this active duty naval officer recently who had... Um, previously tweeted a thread about possible uh, vaccine mandates in the military. And he's not going to reveal himself publicly at this time for obvious reasons. He's worried about um, his career. He's worried about what will happen to him and his career. And even the military code of justice, should his identity be revealed. But I'm talking to him and he sends me a thread that he has written about what else is happening in the military, this corruption that has pervaded the military, this poisonous ideology that has taken hold in the military. And I told him that I would read this thread out loud on my show so that everybody understands in our country that the radical leftists, the Marxists, are now using the military the way that they're using the public schools to indoctrinate people in order to tear down the institutions in our nation that make us the moral free society that we are so that they can implement Marxism in the place of the institutions that they tear down. So I want to read this thread to you um, from this naval officer. It's not about COVID, and I will let you hear for yourself what it uh, is in regards to. This is a quote from him. Since I joined the Navy 15 years ago, much has changed. I'm now required to affirm that a man who has mutilated his penis is a genuine woman in order to keep my job. Well, that's awfully shocking, isn't it? He said... Here's a thread on how we got here. I suspect that if 15 years ago I suggested that a man could actually become a woman or that the military should get into the genital mutilation business, I'd have been sent for psychological evaluation and perhaps separated. That's how far we've come in a decade and a half. A complete and absolute inversion of what we knew to be true just a few years ago. But things change quickly, he said. People in power shift their positions overnight. Recall that candidate Barack Obama believed marriage was exclusive to a man and a woman. Second term, President Barack Obama mentioned the Stonewall riots and transgenderism glowingly in his second inaugural address. The same is true of military leaders. For those of you in the civilian world, it's really hard to explain to you just what sort of godlike fear 
awe and respect these men command, to say nothing of the material rewards. If you don't think those are powerful hooks sunk deep into their skin, think again. They've spent lifetimes scrapping, scraping, and sweating to get where they are, and they're not eager to see it disturbed. What began with an oath to support and defend the Constitution from all enemies, foreign and domestic, has become a luxuriant career that makes them rich and strokes their egos into bonfires. So this naval officer continues, when po- so when policies like this one, demanding everyone play along with the delusions of the mentally ill are issued, none of them says a word. Worse yet, they've been trained to pretend they agree. It's worth noting, he says, that the new generation of military members may have been duped into believing a man in a dress and a wig is actually a woman, but these men, he's talking about the leaders, know better. Or do you believe that every one of those 50 and 60-year-old men suddenly realized they'd been wrong all along? That Bradley Manning isn't a traitor and that Chelsea Manning is a hero? Be serious. The only thing worse than men crazy enough to believe this nonsense is men cowardly enough to pretend they do. And that's what they're doing. They're pretending in order to protect the careers they love so dearly. Let me be clear, he says. If you believe a man can become a woman, you're as mentally ill as the men in heels. Only you have no excuse. They are suffering a debilitating psychological disorder. You've merely been deceived. But again, these men don't really believe it. They're motivated by varying combinations of a desire to get promoted and a fear of getting fired. Those are their primary skill sets and chief character traits. Man, this is brutal. This is so brutal. He goes on to say, these are the men paid lavishly to defend our nation in case of war. Men who don't have the spine to speak an obvious yet suddenly unspeakable truth. Men who will force out of service everyone who isn't also a coward in order to maintain uniformity. In March, the Sixth Circuit Court of Appeals ruled that a professor at a public university cannot be compelled to use transgender pronouns. Here's hoping the DOD takes notice and backs away from these policies. Not that only religious people should be free of the pronoun tyranny, but don't think the DOD is at all concerned with its members' constitutionally guaranteed right to free exercise of religion. He says, I've spoken to very senior members of the military, people in genuine decision-making positions. And the response has been, get in line with the new policy or get out of the military. He says, I'm deeply ashamed to admit it, but in 15 years, I've never heard a single officer say something like, we just received a new policy directive. How are we going to interpret and implement it in light of the Constitution? He says, our oath to the Constitution has become just another string of meaningless words we say for the sake of tradition. The men at the helm have sold themselves for the most extravagant life your tax dollars can afford. In short, my continued employment in the Navy relies on my willingness to show up every day and publicly proclaim that the sky is green with pink polka dots. I'm not going to do that. This is funny. He says, for the record, I'm still more likely to say the sky is green with pink polka dots than I am to say that a man has become a woman. Why? There's a tiny chance the side could do that one day. Not so for the man. It's bad enough to think that the people responsible for our national defense are insane enough to believe the most obvious lie. It's far worse to know that they don't, but have been cowered into saying it anyway. And for everyone who will call me transphobic, he says, it's not a phobia. I'm not scared of trans people as I am of the boogeyman. That is, I don't fear things that don't exist. Don't get me wrong. The men and women suffering this delusion exist, but as the men and women, they are and I wish them only recovery from what ails them. I'd no sooner hate a cancer patient than someone suffering this disease. The Soviets mastered the craft of demoralization, forcing people to tell lies they knew were lies. Why? Because each lie you tell chips away at your moral standing until you have no standing to resist whatsoever. If the most senior people charged with our defense can be convinced to publicly humiliate themselves by pretending men with festering wounds where their penises used to be are genuine women, our demoralization is complete. 
And if they'll fall in line for a lie this obviously absurd, I doubt there's much they'll stand up against. He concludes by saying, be very afraid for your security with people more concerned with their comfort than integrity, sanity, and reality itself running the show. It's hard to know what to add to that. It gave me, it gave me the chills reading it the first time. It gave me the chills reading it out loud to you just now. Send this to your congressman. Send this to your elected officials. There's no doubt this is true. We all have family and friends that serve in the military. We all know that not only are they insane on COVID, we know that there's a strain of wokeness, political correctness, and yes, Marxism running in the military. The Democrats who have been in charge of our military in the past have inserted this ideology into our military, and the Republicans who've been in charge of the military have refused to eradicate it. Well, now is the time. We must demand congressional oversight to remove this from our military because not only should our taxpayer money not be funding Marxist indoctrination, this kind of woke social experiment described by this naval officer could never defend our nation against an enemy who wanted to destroy us. This is a national security risk. Tell your member of Congress. It's bad enough when we see this kind of Marxist indoctrination in the private sector. And I hesitate to even call this the private sector because even when you have a private university or a private college in our country, they always receive taxpayer dollars in the form of grants, research grants, and other kind of, um, other kind of taxpayer money filters to these private universities. So there's not a college that I can think of in our country that is completely divorced from the taxpayer dollar. But now taxpayer, now medical schools, I should say, have begun to stop teaching that there are two genders. These are medical schools. They're supposed to be beacons of science. But a University of California med school professor apologized recently. He was caught on video apologizing for saying the phrase pregnant women because it's offensive, he said, to men and non-binary people who can also get pregnant. This is not an isolated incident to this particular woke, ridiculous, anti-science med school professor. According to the American Psychological Association, the terms natal sex and birth sex are considered disparaging. Now you're supposed to say the assigned sex at birth. Assigned sex. As if you can reassign it at a different time. This is true too of our government, the National Institute of Health, the NIH, the CDC, and yes, Harvard Medical School, which is supposed to be the pinnacle of all medical schools in our country, they are also trying, actively making an effort to divorce sex from medicine altogether. They are instead championing the A, anti-science, Marxist idea of gender identity. That you are how you identify, and it has no correspondence whatsoever to your biological sex, your DNA, the science of the thing. Meanwhile, the American Medical Association and WebMD say that gender should re be removed from birth certificates. This is a tweet from WebMD. Sex should be removed as a legal designation on the public part of birth certificates, the American Medical Association said on Monday. So when I read this, of course I fear for our nation. It's, it's almost laughable that these people, these radical leftists, think that they can convince an entire generation of Americans that sex is not sex, that you can't tell if you're a boy and a girl simply by looking at your private parts and testing your DNA. But it's not laughable because that's what they're doing. They've taken a hold of the public schools and now they're taking a hold of medical institutions. 
So this is my hope of what happens. My hope is that this kind of nonsense will spawn a generation of skeptics who question authority every single time. Skeptics who do not defer to anyone based on so-called expertise or college degree or years in their field of study, but instead require citations, verification, and proof of every single claim. My generations would say, we are done. We are done living in a paternalistic society where we take somebody's word for it just based on their resume. Because the radical left has hijacked these so-called experts in almost every field. Be a skeptic, question authority, because this is Marxism. Marxism attacks the nuclear family. It's like when Planned Parenthood back in the day used black pastors to try to convince black people in America to legitimize abortion. They used black pastors because black pastors were people of authority. They were experts. They were listened to. Their counsel was considered wise. So Planned Parenthood hijacked black pastors to legitimize abortion to the black community. Well, that's what's happening now with the field of medicine. That's what's happening with science in general. People believe doctors because people are in an incredible position of vulnerability when they're in an interaction with a healthcare provider. They want to believe that this doctor is caring for them and has their best interest and will use their expertise to help us and heal us. And so the radical left has hijacked science. They've hijacked the medical field. We can see it happening before our very eyes. Marxists are using experts and medicine and science to spread Marxism. So late last week, I did a long piece on the Simone Biles controversy. And I said, Simone Biles is not a hero. Now, I did not mean this with any kind of harshness per se towards Simone Biles. I basically said either she choked and there's nothing heroic about that, or if she has a legitimate medical um, condition, again, I feel sad for her. I feel disappointed as an American fan of US gymnastics but there's nothing heroic about having a medical condition. There's nothing to be ashamed of it's a, if it's a legitimate medical condition, but it doesn't make you a hero to have a medical condition. Again, no harshness, just analysis. Now, I said if other information comes to light that changes the algorithm, then I'll be the first to update my opinion on this. And there was more information that came to light. Simone Biles expounded a little bit on what had happened to her. She said that she was suffering from a condition that she called twisties. Now, I guess this is just a, this is gymnastics vernacular, um, it, it sounds to me, the way she described it, is it's similar to vertigo, where the gymnast loses the connection between mind and body. So instead of being able to spot your eyes and twist and have your um, body, your reflexes respond to what your mind is telling it to do, you lose that connection. And so she posted a video on her Instagram story showing herself um, doing these flips and turns on the uneven bar and falling at the end because she wasn't able to have her mind tell her body to land in the way that she was supposed to land. Okay, that sounds like a terrible condition. It sounds awful. She also said that this condition, this mental condition was brought on by stress, or at least it was brought on uh, to her by stress. So the question here is, does this additional information change my take in any way? Does it make me say that Simone Biles, does it make me less harsh on Simone Biles? This is what I will say. Yes and no. All of my opinions are nuanced. You guys know that by now. It does sound like a legitimate mental medical health condition. Okay, no shame in that. Perhaps she can't help it. However, she says herself that it's brought on by nerves and by stress. So 
in a sense, even if it's a legitimate mental medical condition, the way she described it is still is choking. She's had it before. So my question would be, does she have no protocol? Did her coaches and sports system have no protocol to help when it happens? Because if something happens to you when you're under enormous stress, you should probably pretty much assume that it'll happen when you're at the Olympics because that's one of the most stressful athletic competitions in the entire world. It's certainly being televised all over the world. And Simone Biles was one of the star athletes. She's been promoted as the face of the Olympics here in the United States for months now. So I don't understand exactly uh, the contradictions here. Also, Simone Biles is the one who said and said again and repeatedly said that she was sitting out of the team all around and then the individual all around and then some of the other individual events because she wasn't having fun and she needed to work on her mindfulness. So if there's any misunderstanding of what happened on our part, it's because she communicated exactly what we interpreted. So all in all, as I said, does this change my opinion? Yes and no, I don't know. Something doesn't quite ring true here. I'm still very disappointed. And as a former athlete myself, I just keep thinking of all the other girls who did not make the US gymnastics team for the Olympics because Simone Biles did, knowing that stress brings on this condition and having no protocol to fix it in stressful situations like the Olympics, which you should assume is going to be stressful. So I don't know. That's my nuanced and not nuanced opinion on it. Uh, take it or leave it. Another thing I wanted to talk about, and this has been widely ignored. It was ignored at the beginning, but now there's no way the mainstream media is going to talk about this. There's no way you're going to hear about this from Democratic politicians who claim to champion minorities. Remember when Major League Baseball moved the All-Star game out of Atlanta because of the Georgia election laws. They moved the MLB All-Star game to Colorado, which we... There's another episode uh, where I run down how ironic it is that this All-Star game was moved to Colorado because some of the Colorado voting laws are actually stricter than the Georgia voting laws. Hilarious. Well, woke people are never uh, great with irony here. Well, here's an update. Moving the MLB All-Star game out of Atlanta cost black business owners $100 million. Picture that amount of money. Picture it on my desk, stacked to the ceiling. $100 million. That's how much black business owners lost in the city of Atlanta because woke leftists pressured Major League Baseball to remove the All-Star game from the city. And remember why. Remember who's to blame here. It's not just these faceless leftists, these faceless woke social justice warriors. No, no. This was Joe Biden who was perpetuating this lie. Joe Biden is the one who called the Georgia election law, a new Jim Crow. with Stacey Abrams who claimed that this law targeted black people. The highest ranking Democrats in our country perpetuated lies, absolute lies about the Georgia election bill, an insult to my intelligence, an insult to your intelligence, an insult to everyone in Georgia, their intelligence, thinking that you wouldn't read the legislation, the piece of legislation yourself, and find out that the narrative coming from Biden and Stacey Abrams and the left was an absolute lie. And now as a result, $100 million down the drain, $100 million that should have gone to black business owners. Here's my question for Biden and Abrams and all the rest. What about those black lives? Do those black lives not matter? And if not, why not? Why is this not a bigger story? And on that note, the great and powerful Jay Hay says we are out of time today, but we have a lot more coming your way tomorrow. So uh, before then, 
Think for yourself, use critical thought, reject critical theory, question authority, follow the facts, and don't let government or corporate wokeism or cultural Marxism or anybody bully you into being a sheep. Please subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts. Give us a five-star rating. Write us a glowing review. Thank you for watching. Thank you for listening. Please pass this episode along to your friends and family so that they know the reality and the truth, the science. I'm Liz Wheeler. This is The Liz Wheeler Show. The Liz Wheeler Show is produced by Jonathan Hay. Executive producer, Chad Abbott. Director of photography, Kevin McRoberts. Editor, Alejandro Figuerilla. Assistant editor, Michael Wall. Sound mixer, Robin Fenderson. Post-production manager, Victoria Metzl. Director of marketing, Emily Washler. Production and talent coordinator, Matt Toffler. Senior publicist, Patricia Jackson. And production assistant, Mickey Pisani. This has been a Soundfront production.